Well, hello there, you glorious bastards. Uh, welcome to Hangtown Gold. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't think anybody was going to meet me here. So here we are listening to my podcast. So what is what is Hangtown Gold about? Um, well, it is my attempt to get together and tell the story uh, of American service men and women and uh, drink some really good whiskey. Um, why is that? Why do we need a podcast that does that? Well, A, whiskey is fucking delicious. So that's one. If I need a second reason, it's because I think, um, how do I say this? We don't, we don't get to tell our story or, or our story goes relatively untold. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, when, when American men and service, American servicemen and women go off to war, it, not many people really realize what we're doing or what happens. Um, the The American public is be, becoming more and more um, disassociated with the military uh, as years go by. And I think it's important to get, uh, get our story out there. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, I just got back from California and the smoke from all those wildfires has just wreaked havoc on me, so... So let's get started. Um, this this podcast will be mainly about um, our story, and when I say our story, I mean um, the the soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and uh, maybe some first responders. It's really kind of an open format, just to tell the story that. So when people say thank you for their your service, they understand what they're thanking you for. When they when they talk about your sacrifice, they actually know. Because right now, I'll be honest, I, I don't think a lot of people know and understand it. There's probably a lot, um, but but in a grand total, it's it's probably around you know five percent of the country, maybe ten percent, is actually directly related. Um, and if you're not actually active duty in the military now. Think about if you know anyone. Well, you probably do because you're listening to this and you know me. So um, anyway, but the idea is to get together, share some whiskey and talk about our stories. Um, it's not opinionated. I'm not going to get into politics. I'm, I'm still active duty. Uh, I, I really can't talk about civilian leadership, but um, this is episode one. And I, I thought I'd just kind of very briefly give give my story. Um, it's not super interesting, but it kind of gives the genesis of the podcast and why I'm doing this. So um, let's get in the Wayback Machine and let's go to March 12, 1979. I'm born. Um, not much significant happened um, until, gosh, 1997. I graduate high school. I go to the United States Military Academy at West Point. Wait, let's take a little pause. I almost forgot to talk about the whiskey. That's the most important part of this podcast. And um, just side note, this is about my sixth attempt at recording this. Uh, I've got all new mic and, and sound mixer thing. And uh, I think I finally got it to where it will record. Um, there was a tremendously bad echo. I don't know how to get rid of it, but um, I think I've got it down to where it's... it's uh, <laughs> You can still actually hear my voice and not just pure echo. So today I am drinking uh, Proper 12. It is, it's the Conor McGregor whiskey. It doesn't price out very high. It's kind of tasty. It's, 
I will say it's better than his last fight. If that's, uh, <laughs> I don't, that's not saying much though. He just got destroyed anyway. So, uh, it's a great whiskey. Uh, it's an Irish whiskey and it, um, it, the reviews I read on it said it had a lot of caramel and a kind of a smooth finish. I get like citrusy, almost like orange. Like if it was in a, I don't know, maybe a, a old fashioned, I pick up some of the orange. It's delicious. Um, I have, I have, um, I have a liquor shelf or a liquor cabinet that I maintain and, and I do this, um, I, I probably have anywhere from about 30 to 50 bottles, depending on when it is. Um, not that I have a drinking problem. I just really, I'm excited about new whiskeys and, uh, a lot of them, a lot of them are open. A lot of them are not. A lot of them have one drink out of them and, um, they will probably be used at mixers at a party of someone I'm not fond of. Uh, and we'll get into all those. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, this is good. It uh, the way I have my my liquor cabinet set up is there's about four or five shelves, and the second shelf has one bottle on it, and that's a bottle of Middleton Very Rare, and that's my um, my industry standard or my benchmark for all whiskeys. Uh, they either taste above that or they taste below that. So some of the whiskeys I have that are above a Middleton, and just my opinion, uh, I have a George Dickel Rye. I know that's uh, I know that's weird. I have an old granddad bonded. Uh, I have a whistle pig boss hog. I have a high west. Um, I have a high west rye. What else do I have up there? Um, oh, I have a Yamazaki eighteen. I have a Pappy Van Winkle twelve year lot B. Um, I have a Barry Crockett Legacy. That's also a Middleton. Um, let's see. Hold on. What is this? Oh, I have a Yamazaki 10 year. I have a notch 12 year. Um, and then what's this one? Oh, that's a, uh, maker's mark cast strength. I love the cast strengths. They have this, um, fin- I, I like the oily finish. Let's look at this one. This one doesn't have much. The way I test it is I kind of rotate the glass back and forth and whatever sticks to the side or how slowly almost the viscosity this doesn't have much it has a little but not much i i just like that oily finish or that oily mouth oh i have a red breast 21 up there that's real good um i'm trying to look behind some of the other bottles i think that's oh i have a bottle of jack daniels up there that doesn't belong there though that um, definitely does not belong up there yeah, but I think that's it. And then some various other ones. And um, yeah, I'm going through a phase where I really like the bonded whiskeys. And that'll probably be the uh, the next podcast episode. But yeah, that's how I that's how I set up my, I call it my R&D lab. And I'll explain that a little later. Um, but yeah, so we're drinking Proper 12 today. Connor McGregor's whiskey. Um, yeah, it's real good. Um, not... Um, not something I'd I'd drink on the regular, but it's you know, it's good for his first whiskey or his first attempt. It's like I said, better than his last fight. So let's move on. Um, telling my story, I graduated high school in 1997. Um, I attended the United States Military Academy. I graduated in 2001, just barely. 
Um, I think uh, at the end of my first year of school, if you squared my GPA, it got smaller. For those non-math majors out there, that means that it was less than one. Um, hated every day. Don't think there was a single day I look back on like, oh, that was glad I was there. Um, anyway, so then I commissioned second lieutenant in the United States Army. I went uh, air defense. I was a Patriot missile officer. Um, I was in for several years. I got out. I had a small break in service. Worked for Raytheon, for Mother Raytheon. As a defense contractor, I was embedded with a the 108th ADA Brigade, and it was a good job, but I was going to going to night school and going to school to be a firefighter. Uh, I was working on my, my EMT, uh, my firefighter certifications. I really wanted to do that. I really wanted to be a forestry firefighter. And then um, through a series of events, I got back into the Army. Um, there's a, that's another story for another day, but um, got back into active duty took command of a battery, um, found out that when you're in the army, there's this thing called dwell time or how much time you have in, in between deployments, <coughs> excuse me. And, uh, there's just not, uh, at the time people were getting, you know, maybe 10 months in between deployments or 10 months of dwell time. Um, and cause I'd gotten out for three years, I had nearly 45 months of dwell time. And so I had to get a deployment. Uh, I deployed to Qatar. I'm sorry. I deployed to an undisclosed location in Southwest Asia. We now admit to being in Qatar, but at the time we did not acknowledge our, our military presence there. Um, was in Qatar, was thinking about getting out again and had a, had a great boss. He, uh, he offered me a job in, in Germany, um, at 10th double AMDC, a double AMDC is an army air and missile defense command. It's about the equivalent of a, a division, not in terms of size, but in terms of where it, where it stacks, uh, above a brigade below a core. Um, so yeah, I got back in, I went, or I got back to the States, moved to Germany. And that's kind of when the whiskey, when the whiskey venture started, I, uh, was working at night at a bar in downtown Kaiserslautern, Germany, an Irish bar named Maloney's. And until that point, I think my only experience with whiskeys were cheap scotches and like a Jack Daniels or maybe a Jim Beam. Uh, I make some drunk ribs with uh, Jim Beam. It's a recipe of my ex-father-in-law's and it is, um, it's really good. So shots out to Park Schaefer for his drunken ribs recipe. Um, so yeah, I'd always maybe have a little, a little bit of Jim Beam, but that's, you know, at the time I think that was like $14 whiskey and that's not, you never want to get cheap plastic surgery or cheap whiskey. So, uh, I'm in Germany, I'm bouncing at a bar and the two Irish guys that owned it, they were, you know, they would always give me a. Now and again, they'd give me a shot of Jameson or, but there was this one bottle, this one, one bottle up on the top shelf and it was called Middleton's. And I asked him, I said, what's the, what's that bottle? Why does no one ever drink that? And this is my attempt at a, um, Irish accent. They said, oh, mate, 
that almost sounded Australian or South African, but um, I'm not here for my impressions. I'm here for my story. So I, uh, it, it was Middleton and it was, I think it was at the time like 22 or 20 euro a shot. Um, and they, uh, at the time, I want to say it was like 20 euro was like 27 us dollars. So almost 30 bucks. Let's, let's just call it 30 bucks a shot. So I tried it and I was like, Whoa, this is life changing. This is, and then I was hooked. I was, when I could, I would, I would buy a, um, and when I say I could, I was limited because I was in Germany. I was limited on the U S bourbons. Um, and I didn't like the scotches. So it's kind of whatever Irish whiskey I could find in a duty free in an airport or a, um, or, or anywhere really, um, duty frees were a lot better and duty free actually started by an Irish guy. So that's where I got my Irish whiskey. It seemed fitting. So while in Germany made some great friends and if you've never lived abroad or, or been stationed abroad, it's, I absolutely think it's one of the most important things you can do. I, I, I don't give a lot of advice, but if I had one piece of advice for young people, uh, not that I think young people are going to listen to this, but um, go live overseas. It, I really do think it makes you a better, a better voting American. It's more informed. You know, when you, when you live under universal health care and high tax rates, you kind of get a feel for what it's like um, when there's a, a actual logical mass uh, mass transit system, it, all those things, you get to live them and experience them. And then when you come back, you kind of know what you're voting on. So that's the one piece of unsolicited advice I'd give. Um, so while in, while in Germany made some phenomenal friends, just, uh, it's a really neat situation where there's all these Americans concentrated in a very small area and they all want to travel. They all want to do stuff. And you're in, you're very centrally located in Europe and, you know, when you first show up, you don't know what you're doing, but there's always part of that group that's been there for two, three, five years, and they kind of know what to do. So they show you the ropes. They teach you how to fly on Ryanair, teach you how to buy a train ticket. Um, there's kind of an art to all that. Uh, if you ever fly Ryanair, buy the bus ticket on the plane. I made that mistake my first time, and I slept in the train station. Anyway, so yeah, the more you drink of this, it's actually really, really good. Um, so in Germany, fallen with some great friends who, um, the girl I'm about to tell you about, I'm not going to use her name because I haven't spoke to her, but she lives in Austin now. She works for Whole Foods. Uh, she got me started kind of mixing real dark, uh, bittersweet chocolates or, um, you know, like 70% chocolates with whiskey. And I, from that point on, I was like, wow, I want to, I would love to make I would love to make chocolate and whiskey. That'd be great. Um, side note or anecdote, I guess, is I really like to cook. It's one of the the few things. Everyone seems like they can play an instrument or uh, build a car, or build a house. The only thing I seem to be able to make is food. Uh, I get that from my Italian mother. She was very good. Um, so in Germany, met these great people, traveled all over Europe, um, which... You know, wherever you go in Europe, whether it's Ireland, Scotland, um, France, 
Germany, they all have this national spirit and they kind of, um, they know about it. Like an Italian kind of knows what grappa is made of. Um, if you, if you're a, if you're from the United States, you don't, you may not know what bourbon's made from. There's actually a law in the U S on what the bill of mash has to consist of anyway. So, uh, it just, I was fascinated by how much people knew about their kind of, uh, national spirit. Like just about every French person I think I ever met could tell you the difference between a cognac and a brandy. Um, whereas not many Americans can tell you the difference between an American whiskey, a bourbon whiskey and a straight whiskey. Um, so I, I just, I found it interesting that all these Europeans knew about their spirit. And I just kind of started reading. And the more I read and the more I looked on the interwebs, I, the more I, I got intrigued. Meanwhile, I'm still in the army and I'm doing the nine to five, which is actually more like a, a four to 20, 20 hundred, just working crazy hours in, in Germany. I had both the, uh, defense of Israel and the defense of, of Europe. I was the planner for both those. And it was just a, a lot of work, but just phenomenal mission set. Just so much fun as a, as an air defender, we don't, you, you know, you can go your whole career. You can do 25 years in the army and never fire a Patriot missile. They're very expensive, sometimes over a million dollars. And so doing stuff like that is, is the closest you get to, you know, really doing your job, I guess. I mean, we have a lot of simulations and things like that, but uh, it was just phenomenal time. Went down to Israel. I got actually, when I got promoted to major, I got promoted in Israel by an Israeli general. And it was just a, it's just a great, great country. Um, I love the people. I love the location. It's, um, I'd go back in a heartbeat. If I could ever get an active duty assignment there, I would take it in a heartbeat. And I promise you that's because of the country and not because of how gorgeous their women are. But either way. I would go back in a heartbeat. I'd go back to Europe in a heartbeat anyway. So I'm wrapping up in, um, wrapping up in Germany. Um, real excited to go back to the States cause uh, there's all these whiskeys and distilleries I want to go to. Um, I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of planning, not, not really planning, but kind of looking at the different, uh, the different whiskeys that I want or I want to go tour. Um, I think, I think I'm going to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, and I'm going to do what the Army calls CGSC. Um, it's kind of like school for majors. They teach majors how to be good good staff officers, and it it sounds the the actual school part sounded terrible to me. I wasn't really looking forward to it, but um, every major has to do it, um, and so I'm getting ready to leave. It's wrapping up, and all of a sudden. Russia. Russia invades Ukraine. Uh, as I said earlier, I was a planner. I was probably the most, uh, it, I don't want to say experienced, because I, but experienced with the plan or, or I guess knowledgeable um, or knew the most about the different NATO and, and Israeli plans. So my boss asked me to extend in, in Germany for, I think it was like six or eight months. And I do. There's kind of a an unwritten rule that if your boss comes to you asking for a favor, you should always say yes. Cause it's always good to have your boss owe you a favor on the back end. Um, but I did it. I, I would have done it anyway, even if, even if I didn't think I was going to get something out of it. But 
So the deal we made was I extended for six to eight months, and then he got me a slot not at the Army Command Staff General College. He got me into the Naval War College, which is in Newport, Rhode Island. Um, Probably one of the better life choices I've ever made is going there and not going to uh, Leavenworth, Kansas. The... um, the uh, Naval War College is just a phenomenal institution. I have nothing but good things to say about it. And it's in Newport, Rhode Island, which is a fun, fun town, especially compared to Army towns. Uh, Army likes cheap rent, like Fort Drum, New York, Fort Polk, Louisiana, Fort Hood, Texas. Hashtag Fort Hood is lame. Uh, Google it. And it's just, it, it was such a better location, and I, I think, too, a better um, academic environment. The other thing is Newport has a lot of old money. That's where the Dukes and the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts, and they built these great mansions on the Cliff Walk and um, just tons of old money there. Well, with that old money comes really high-end, nice liquor shops. Now, most of the famous mansions in Newport are on something called Bellevue Avenue. And on Bellevue is a liquor store called Vickers Liquors. And they had hundreds of different whiskeys, all the way from, you know, like military special whiskey, all the way up to some high-end Pappy Van Winkles. And no matter when you went in there, they always had like four or five bottles of everything. Uh, The one thing I could never find there was uh, a Yamazaki 18, which has always been kind of my unicorn. And by unicorn, I mean like the one I can never find because I don't think it exists. It does. I got a bottle. But I had to go to Japan to get it. If you don't know, uh, Yamazaki 18 is a Japanese single malt that I, I believe was the first single malt to, to win best whiskey in the world from the Whiskey Bible that wasn't from Scotland. Um, anyway, so I go to Newport, Rhode Island. Um, and while at Newport, Rhode Island, uh, I take a field trip. Let me find this guy's card. It's here somewhere. The uh, Hangtown Gold Recording Studio is is a little bit cluttered right now because I'm actually getting ready to move. I have a deployment coming up. Anyway, so I I uh, went on a on a field trip to Nantucket and I met a man from Nantucket. And that's actually not a that's not a dirty nursery rhyme. I actually met a man from Nantucket, and he was a uh, he was one of the distillers at Triple Eight Distillery. Is, am I getting that right? Yeah, Triple Eight Distillery. And the guy was really nice. I told him I just bought a still, and I was just starting off, and I was super, I was super interested in the process and how you know it gets from, you know, just a bunch of corn and rye to, or wheat, corn and rye to to something that's so delicious. And so him and I got got to talking. Me and this man from Nantucket and. I, uh, he kind of took me back. I was on a tour. I think I'd paid like 50 bucks for a tour and they make some wine and beer there, but I was really there, really interested in in the whiskey and what their setup was like and how they did things. And we got to talking and he gave me his card and I can't for the life of me find his goddamn card. Um, but anyway, I, uh, oh, there it is. Hold on. It's on the other side of the table. So yeah, guy's name is Brian Jennings. <laughs> Um, phenomenal guy, just, you know, 
I think recognized how excited I was about whiskey in the process and maybe not just the drinking. I mean, don't get me wrong, super, super interested in the drinking part as well. So he kind of took me back. He like separated me from the rest of the tour and he took me back to like the offices and he brings me into this room. And the only way I can describe it is it's like the Shangri-La of whiskeys. It was... I don't know, maybe I was just fanboying and, and, and overwhelmed, but it seemed a bit as if there was hundreds of different types of whiskeys. And I went, what, what is this? What is this place? And he's like, well, this is our R&D lab. This is where we do all our research and development. And I said, well, it just looks like a bar. He goes, well, yeah, that's when you make whiskey, that's the most important thing. Go out and taste variety. Taste people that got it right. Taste people that got it bad, you know, or didn't get it right kind of figure out what you like and what works and then put together your own. It's like, man, that is, that is great advice. And he goes, plus if you just want to have a bunch of bottles of whiskey laying around the house, it's, it's a great, it's a great excuse. And I said, yeah, R and D lab. That's a great, that's a great way to like write it off. I, I furthered it a little bit. I've, I've since found out that you can get a PhD in, in, in distillery. You can get it two places in the world. I believe you can get it from the University of London and the University of Amsterdam. So not only is it an R&D lab, but you can tell people that you're studying or you're doing research for your PhD. And I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that has failed me once. I've, people come in and go, oh, that's a, you know, very judgmental. They'll look at my liquor cabinet and go, whoa, that's a, why do you have so much whiskey? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm I'm just doing research for a PhD. I'm I'm going to try to get my master distiller certificate. Judgment ends and everybody's it's all on the up and up. So uh this guy gave me his card. This Brian Jennings gave me his card and he uh said if you ever have any questions just reach out, feel free. So great guy. Um you know, very very helpful. I haven't actually reached out to him. I haven't been I just haven't lived anywhere where I can legally distill for, for quite some time. Uh, I'm in Texas now, um, but eventually I'm going to do it. And I like to keep it all on the up and up. I, I knew enough shady things. I think that, no, I don't really. I just, I drive too fast and, um, probably have too many guns, but nothing super shady. I just, I don't know. I'll wait till I get out of the army till I start doing all those liquor permits and, you know, living in, I think I moved eight times in the last seven years. So getting permits for things like that is hard when you change your address so frequently. So, um, I, uh, really kind of expanded my, my vocabulary of whiskey or my, my knowledge of whiskey. I also found, I met a great group of friends at the war college from all different branches and found out that if you kept good whiskey at your house and you knew how to cook a little bit, all the single officers would show up. So, yeah, it was a great time. If you've never been to Newport, Rhode Island, go. It's a great town. Go for a weekend. Go for St. Patty's Day. Uh, there's a phenomenal jazz festival in the summer. Uh, I really enjoyed that. You can take a boat, and the harbor police will kind of harass you, and you can harass them back, and it's it's fun times. It's fun for everyone to watch. Um, so, anyway, wrapping up at the at the... Naval War College, and I tear my Achilles. 
Uh, I'm usually a try everything once guy, but I do not recommend that for anybody. I would avoid that at all costs. Um, so don't ever <laughs> tear your Achilles. It took me like two years and I still can't. Uh, it's the first time in my life since like junior high, I can't dunk a basketball. But anyway, um, so I'm wrapping up at the Naval War College, waiting on an assignment, and I get an assignment. My my assignments off my um, assignments officer from HRC, and that's Human Resources Command. That's kind of like the the Army's HR department. Um, calls me and says, "Well, what do, what do you want to do?" I said, "Well, I want to go back to Europe." And he goes, and he's a friend of mine. He hooked me up. He goes, oh, I'll get you back to Europe. No problem. I'll send you your RFO. So I get my orders, and it is to Ankara, Turkey. And for you uh, geography whizzes, you will know that that is not in fucking Europe. That is in Asia. So I call him, and I'm mad. I, Neil, what? Turkey? That's not in Europe. And he goes, uh, it's UCOM, European Command. Um, and the army breaks up the world or the, the department of defense breaks up the uh, world into different uh, major commands. There's central command, CENTCOM, there's European command, UCOM, there's Pacific command, PACOM. And so uh, UCOM has all of Turkey. So I'm like, yeah, but it's not Europe, it's Asia. And he goes, uh, Asia minor. And so... I was like, oh, man, I will I will get you back. So I owe him one. Uh, not in a bad way, but um, at some point I will return the favor, hopefully. So I go to Turkey. Um, it's, uh, it's an eventful year. I'm there for one year. There's a coup d'etat. That was a crazy night. Um, and then just I had a job as a weapons inspector, and I inspected the different weapons that people sell us. And... I I went to I believe seventy two locations and inventoried uh, nearly a million weapons. Uh, I'm sorry, nearly three million weapons. Uh, I didn't get to all of them, but there was a lot of them, and it was an area the size of Texas. And I can proudly say that I've probably been to more of Turkey than most Turks. So that's interesting. Whereas if you if you <laughs> If you talk to a Turkish person that's visited the U.S., they've probably seen more of the U.S. than most Americans. But um, that's kind of what happens when you travel or you're there on vacation. So go to Turkey, survive the coup. Um, couple trips to, couple trips to Europe, more whiskeys, uh, and this whole time as I'm going through the the army or the military, I'm meeting just some of the most phenomenal people with just the best stories and even the people that aren't like the navy seals or the you know the special forces or or the pjs they just it's all a unique story you know um everybody's story is awesome and, and the people you meet are they're all just fantastic and so over the last couple years i've just been learning more about whiskey and, and getting to know whiskey and loving it. And then meeting just all these phenomenal people that are doing phenomenal things. And I thought, you know, I should share my whiskey and, and get them to tell their story. And that's, that's kind of what this podcast is about. So I'm just, um, Oh, well, so I'm not done with my story. Survive the coup in Turkey, go do a, a year in Hawaii 
Uh, it sounds great, but it always sucks to work where other people are vacationing. Uh, I didn't like it much at all. I worked, I worked for a couple people that, um, I just, I don't see them as the best leaders in the world. And I had been very, very fortunate up until that point to just work for some of the most phenomenal leaders that I think the army has to offer. Um, and then I guess that was just my time to realize how lucky I've been with having such good leaders and not having to work for, um, anybody that was unethical or a douchebag or spineless. Um, and so that was just to kind of, I guess an azimuth check, you know, things happen for different reasons. And Hawaii was a, was a great azimuth check for me and made me realize how good and how fortunate I was with the leadership that brought me up the professionalism of the NCOs and the warrant officers uh, that I grew up with and kind of set me down the right path in my career. Um, but it was a great lesson. You know, you can learn a lot more from a bad boss than a good boss. Um, and I'm pretty sure they'll never listen to this. So I'm not worried about them <laughs> saying anything. I wouldn't care if they did, but anyway, um, so Hawaii ended kind of abruptly, uh, and I had to, I kind of had to go out and find a job and I reached out to an old mentor of mine and I said, sir, I, I need a, I need a favor. I need a job. I need to get out of Hawaii. And he brought me here to Fort Hood, Texas. Um, and despite, I, I have a Facebook thing where I always say hashtag Fort Hood is lame. It's really not lame. I actually do like it here. Um, it's very easy to hunt, hunt fish, uh, fire my guns there. You know, there's like eight ranges here versus the one on Hawaii. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's good to be back in the continental United States. Um, people tend to be a lot more friendlier here in Texas, friendlier or a lot more friendly. I don't know. I was a computer science major. I don't know these things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just. I don't know. I like it. I like it a lot. Now there are some isms, you know, uh, <laughs> I can drive to work and almost hit a cow. That's not the coolest thing ever. Speed limits are high, not Germany high, but still high. So I'm here at Fort Hood, Texas, uh, getting ready to deploy shortly. And I just thought, um, God, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to sit down with all these people I've met over the years, share, share a drink of whiskey and just listen to their story. And then kind of thought, well, that's kind of selfish. I already know. I already, I'm not going to say I know their story, but I already kind of understand it and I am part of it. So maybe it would be better to, to sit down, record it and then share it with everybody. So I got to fooling around and, um, I kind of socialized the idea with both people in and not in and, it's weird that the people in the military are like, oh, the whiskey part sounds awesome. And the people, I'm sorry, the people in the military say, oh, the whiskey part sounds awesome. And people not in the military are fascinated by everybody's story. So I think it's a good mix. Um, I I hope people sign up to do it. And it's not just me talking because uh, I hate the sound of my own voice. And I really don't think I'm super interesting. But yeah. I, that's that's Hangtown Gold, and that's what we're going to try to do. Um, we'll see where it takes off. We'll see where it goes. Uh, I already know I'm pretty much a terrible editor for for voice and stuff like that. So if you're any good at that, 
Come tell your voice editing story or your sound editing story. Drink some whiskey and show me how to do this sorcery. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for, for today. And I, I hope I hope you guys tune in again. All right, you glorious bastards. Love you.